0: Welcome to Nessun Dormer, everybody. It's Lee here again, but I'm just doing one of my quick intros because it's another interview that we've got for you in this episode. It's Rob Smythe. is talking to Tom Flight, author of You're Joking, Aren't You?, about the incredible Middlesbrough season, 1996-97, incredible season for English football, but Middlesbrough especially. Um, I remember it because I was living in Middlesbrough at the time, as regular listeners will know I've mentioned a few times, so I'm looking forward to this as much as you are. So enjoy it. Enjoy your summer here's the interview oh hi Tom thanks for coming on um do you want to tell us a bit about your book how it came about um your kind of personal situation your memories of that year and also the title which I guess will be unfamiliar to a lot of non-Bara fans
1: yeah so um yes I uh I've been a sort of trying to be a sports writer I've been doing a little bit of freelance writing um and I was writing for a few websites in America, which is where I live at the moment, um, about different sports like basketball and uh, American football. I've been trying to write more about uh, soccer. Because, soccer, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was p- pitching a few articles to some freelance websites, and I pitched an article to a magazine about uh, middle season. 96, 97 season. And it, did, it actually got rejected, but my wife, who – found it interesting, and she said I should probably write a book about it. So I thought, okay. So I sent a pitch off to Pitch Publishing, thinking that you know nothing would come of it. And then they replied saying that they wanted to uh, uh, write uh, publish a book. So uh, that's how it came about.
0: How old would you? Uh, have been... I grew up. Uh... How... Sorry, so how old would you have been that season?
1: Um, I was born in '86, so I turned ten in November of that season. So mm. I was nine years old. Perfect. So it was kind of the perfect time Yeah. When you know, everything was so good, when like year and six had just happened, so it was it was a really exciting time to be a Borough fan. Um, yeah, so seasons has always just kind of like been lodged in my memory. Um, with the title, uh, you're joking, aren't you? That's kind of a phrase that's local used. Uh, it, it is associated with that season because uh, they recorded a song for the FA Cup final and all the different foreign players. All had a little line, like Giannino had a little line in Brazilian, and uh, Festa had a line in Italian. And there was Phil Stamp, who was a local player, who said, Phil Stamp from Borough, you're joking, aren't you? And uh, I I just think that kind of phrase kind of sums up that season for a lot of Borough fans. So many amazing things happened, so many terrible things happened, and the only real expression you can have is this you must be joking.
0: Yeah, so that made, I guess most people know the basic story that they got to two cup finals and were relegated. But the kind of the, the whole kind of surreal um feeling around the club started even before the season, didn't it? Signing a European Cup winner in Fabrizio Ravanelli, And obviously the year earlier you'd signed Giannini, which I guess was a, a landmark signing, even though he wasn't as well known. He was um mm-hmm. still a Brazilian international and obviously became, I don't know, probably the club's greatest ever player.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's what uh, kind of made it. What made it so amazing for, I guess, the whole football league is that in that time, in, during my time in the Premier League, there were a lot of kind of foreign players who were starting to move to the Premier League. Mm. But there was usually there was usually a reason why they were going to Premier League mm. rather than another league. Like you know, even people like Cantona, like he was kind of ostracized, and uh, you know, Bertkamp had been kind of a flop in Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, and players like it was kind of past it even Klinsman at Spurs he was he was I think he was in his 30s when he signed in 94 uh, but Mills were signing players that were uh, you know in their prime or you know players for the future like Giannino was 22 so that, that was what kind of made Robin he just scored a the Champions League final uh, you know he he was at the the peak of his career and he decided to trade that in for Teesside so I think that's what well, that's what made it kind of amazing. And even Emerson, was, he was Portuguese player of the year. Uh, you know, Bobby Robson absolutely loved him. And mm. he was so desperate to get out of Porto. I think there was payment signed for Middlesbrough in May. And the season had barely finished. and he'd, he'd, If Bobby Robson then ended up taking a Barcelona job, and if, he had, if Emerson had stuck around, I think Bobby Robson would have taken him to Barcelona. And that would have been a, a completely different career for him.
0: Yeah, he's an interesting player, isn't he? He's slightly forgotten. Maybe, maybe because of what happened subsequently. I don't know. He did he did do a huge amount, um, kind of compared to the expectation and the amount of talent he had.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I was watching Emerson, like he was such a, you know, you would never seen a player like him in, in the Premier League before, that kind of deep-lying playmaker kind of role. Uh, I mean, I, he, he obviously was a little bit unstable off the pitch and, you know, he had personal problems, which... Left, which resulted in him kind of disappearing with his wife during the season. Um, when, when he when he when you look at interviews now, he kind of has regret about the way he handled things at Middlesbrough. But you, you have to kind of think if he had gone to Barcelona or if he had t- taken a different path, he could have been, you know, yeah, you know, one of one of the best players in Europe.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? How many players do just take innocently take one move move as opposed to another, and it just a massive fork in the road in their careers just sets you on a pretty different path. Um, yeah. Janini, tell us about him. Because as a neutral, he was the one, I guess, who charmed everyone. Certainly, I, I, I just fell in love with him that spring of 97. It just felt like he was doing something, either a goal and assist or both, something brilliant almost every week.
1: Yeah, well, I think the way his signing came about, because uh, he, he'd come with Brazil in, that, in the Inbro Cup in the summer of 95 mm. in England that kind of year 96 kind of uh, pre-tournament thing. Uh, And he was almost kind of uh, the Brazil were kind of showcasing the kind of future, future team after And about 94 team was quite kind of old. So Mm. in this new team, people like Roberto Carlos and Ronaldo were in that squad. And Giannino was in some ways the kind of the star of it. He was a number 10. I mean, he was taking free Roberto Carlos. He scored. Mm. Um, And I think that's what kind of, definitely captured Brian Robson's imagination so when so when Middlesbrough signed him uh, I think everyone's imagination just kind of got caught because they'd signed this you know Brazilian superstar but no one had really you know there's no you know YouTube highlights or anything uh so when he came there was the people at the airport to see him it was like you know a pope had visited and (laughs) then we all went we all went to the stadium to see him kick some balls So he came with such uh high expectations and because so many um so many clubs were after him but he chose middlesbrough i think that middlesbrough fans just kind of took him to heart because he he kind of he chose middlesbrough and he seemed uh, determined to make them uh a, you know a force in europe it was it was more than just the money with, with robinelli and even emerson to an extent money that pulled him there Whereas nino was uh from the start he kind of took the town to to heart and and that's kind of how he he, why he kept coming back like throughout his career he had two other spells Mm. um yeah as a player it did take him a while to kind of um integrate into robson's team because in the 95 96 season burris started the season brilliantly Mm. um
0: and i think you said you watched a lot of the games back and janeo was even better than you thought is that is that fair
1: yeah, I, I think I was fully prepared because growing up as a Borough fan, Geninho was kind of like a uh, like an icon, like you know. and so when I went back to watch games, I was fully prepared to kind of have a revisionist and realize that maybe he fought. But yeah, looking back, he was he was better than I can even remember. I mean, he he did the, so many great goals that I completely forgotten about. But there, there was a I think you mentioned it. The, the, there was that run of games in March where Burrow won four games. He was player of the month. We scored about 16 goals and every goal he was taken on players, scoring, assisting. It was just, it was pretty amazing.
0: On a serious note, were you slightly, um, not scared, but slightly, was there a slight trepidation about going back to those videos? Because it's such a, I guess it's such a cherished memory, him in particular, that you kind of don't want to compromise your childhood by finding out it actually wasn't that good. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think of it. It's not yeah, quite the I, I same. Think... I was going to say, it's not quite the same example, but I always remember growing up, there was a Jim Layton save from Alan McAnally that stayed in my head as being one of the all-time great saves. And then YouTube appeared. Yeah. And, and it is a brilliant save, but it's nowhere near as good as it was in my head.
1: No, I don't know what you mean, yeah. Like when you read about sort of old goals in the World Cup, yeah, I can actually watch them and you realise,
0: yeah, what's the big deal? Yeah. I think, I think there was a little
1: bit of that. But I also think, and that a few fans who have read the book or bought the book have told me that with this season, um, it's almost like a some almost had like a kind of PT about it. They kind yeah. of don't want to go back and relive it because, uh, and a few a few people have said that they've never really been able to enjoy football the same because this season just got their hopes up so much. But um, they they've never really been able to really enjoy the the times after as much, uh, and I, I, I kind of see that, that's why I was kind of that's why I wanted to go back, because I thought it would be kind of cathartic to kind of yeah. find out what really happened and um, yeah I know what you mean though, yeah, but I, I I thought that would happen, but you know, I think he was he, he, he was, yeah, better, better than I thought it would be, and it's just, it's just interesting because the one thing that he kind of didn't possess was, he never had the hardest shot, like mm. his shot part was never the hardest, and I just wonder if because I look at people that players that are similar to him these days, like Messi and Coutinho, with similar um, similar kind of size, yeah, they can ping they can ping shots in from thirty yards, no problem. I just wonder if Gine- if there's something they do differently in training where they the shooting power and accuracy of these top players. I just wonder if Gine- if Juninho Gine- was playing today, he would be different. Did he actually try
0: shooting from that distance much?
1: Um... Maybe. I mean, yeah, I I just, I just do have memories of him kind of taking corners and not being able to clear the first match. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah.
0: You know, so pretty uh, yeah,
1: just some, Yeah, that was the one thing about his game which he liked, but every, everything else he was he
0: was brilliant. So the, the season actually started pretty well, didn't it? Two back-to-back home games. I think he scored four in both. One at Everton. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was an abysmal run. Is there any um, any particular reason, given that they've been pretty – solid in 95-6 as well and had a good solid first season in the Premier League is there any reason why things are generated or or is it as is usually the case for these things kind of a a series of factors that come together
1: yeah I think the um, basically the defence was awful and I think um, that was kind of covered up in the early games and the first game of the season against uh, Liverpool that was such a euphoric day Mm. that people weren't really paying attention to the like absolutely invisible defending. <laughs> yeah. For, uh, it. And then Coventry 4-0. And I was looking back at a match report um, and they were saying that Borough's attacking was world-class, but they were describing the defence of Sunday League. I think Coventry had like three or four chances where they should have scored.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think um, that just started to... It, it kind of correct. We had a great start and the players were loving it. Um, but then there was a game away at southampton where we got absolutely hammered four nil uh the scored straight from a corner I and mean, then he scored number one and i think that was just psychologically i think that just kind of damaged the club but we lost we lost three nil away at i not know we lost three nil at home to spurs and then we lost two nil to arsenal just before bingo arrived and both just just comical defensive errors mm. um and i think like robinelli and emerson were so kind of jubilant at the start and I, I think it kind of hit home to them that they were playing at a seriously lower level than they were used to mm. um and I think that that affected their performance I bet the injuries started coming we, we did have an absolutely unbelievable run of bad luck with injuries um and they piled up and then in by November Emerson had packed up and left with his wife so he went missing for a month yeah so I, It was mainly the defence was the uh, problem. Robson, he never really looked at the defence.
0: Who would have been the the biggest loss among the longer-term injuries?
1: Um, Definitely uh, Nigel Pearson. Even though he he did have a pretty poor start to the season, he um, had a really bad neck injury in October. Um, And I think when he, he, he was out for four months... And I think just his, just having him present, just losing his presence was a big factor. Mm. As, as his, him as a captain was uh, was pretty bad. To the players I talked to, they they said they, were, they noticed like his loss when he wasn't in the dressing room. It was noticeable, and when he came back, in, uh, we signed Festa um, in January, and then we finally partnered him with Pearson, and Pearson had a brilliant end to the season. Um, so he, so he, he still had it. His his body was falling apart, but he was still a top defender.
0: Mm. Uh, yeah, that kind of play is so important, aren't they? Um, yeah. And I, I guess most people remember the bar ultimately went down because they pulled out of the Blackburn game just just before Christmas, I think. Um, yeah. What's the story there? And from your point of view, do you think they were hard done by? What's um, I know you spoke to some of the players. What did they say about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely kind of the most controversial day in Borough's history. Um, is that right? I mean, Saturday,
0: know, Saturday before Christmas, is that right? It was,
1: yeah, it was, yeah, it was December 21st that they, uh, it was a Friday that they called the game off. Yeah. Um, and I think the Wednesday or the, the match before was against Liverpool at Anfield and we got absolutely destroyed 5-1, 4-4 uh, goals. I think we were 4-0 down at time. Best performances you, you, you'd ever see. And I think that kind of had a traumatic experience on Robson, and then we had this injury crisis, and then this flu uh went through the squad um so there was nine or ten players out with flu um and i think and I think it fit the tr I wasn't sure if you know you, you know it's a bit like with this COVID thing they they said we've got so many players today, but by tomorrow we might have even more people out yeah um so they. So I think Robson, uh, he panicked and he called the Premier League. Um, And I think this is where it gets a little bit kind of murky because it it clearly went for advice, but they didn't get through to the right person. Mm. Um, uh, Rick Parry, uh, the chief of the the FA, chief of the Premier League, sorry, he wasn't available. So they were speaking to some guy called Mr. Cook who clearly wasn't an authority. Mm. And I think Robson was kind of hearing what he wanted to hear. Yeah. He was, I think he was kind of saying, well, you can call the game off, but we don't really know what the rules are. So Robson went ahead and called the game off. Um, if he'd spoken to the right person, I think they would have said, you can't call the game off. Mm. Uh, get, on, get on with it. And mm-hmm. that, that would have put it to dead. But because there was obviously this conversation, uh, they went ahead and called the game off. And once they'd done it, they couldn't really go back.
0: Mm.
1: Um, so, I, I mean, it, it does show naivety from the club. But as, I mean, I, 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 try, I try to stay kind of, um, balanced in the book but I, I I do feel that the FA should accept some responsibility and mm. uh, they, they basically didn't.
0: You talk about naivety Oops. at the club, I was going to say, do you think it shows also just how kind of naive football was generally, even though it was the Premier League era and it was still that kind of, I don't know, it just still felt quite small and innocent, certainly compared to now you couldn't imagine that happening now, there would be clear kind of lines of um, lines of people they would go through and get their right advice and whatever, Probably there's probably a regulation saying what happens it just feels like everything yeah. was a little bit more ad hoc then.
1: I think so, yeah. I think they, they, the rules weren't clear. That there was a there was a rule that kind of was in the rule book where if a club had just cause to call a game off, they could do it. Mm. There wasn't there wasn't clear exactly what just cause meant, mm. and I think it came down to the fact that if you have eleven players who are fit, then you have to play the game. And Middlesbrough had eleven players. They had, they had 17 fit players but five of them had never played before mm. and three of them were goalkeepers. Oh, so so basically um he's gonna be, he's gonna put put out um absolute bare bones team yeah uh so so, so i think about so that's why i, I mean I, I, if you talk to people i i listen to a few pod you know with this COVID thing going on there's been quite a few like looking back podcasts and mm everyone seems to have the opinion that Middlesbrough were, you know, acted really unprofessionally and they, did, they deserved everything they got. But I, I think that if you if you accept, if you actually look at it, they went to the Premier League for advice and they weren't given the correct advice. So that's giving such a harsh pen, uh, penalty uh, is not right. And mm-hmm. there is, I mean, this could be me supporting a smaller club, but I definitely feel like if a bigger club had done this then they, they wouldn't have been so harsh. I mean, Borough mm. fans like to say that if Ferguson or Wenger had called up, they would have got a get well soon card from the FA. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it's an interesting. It's funny you said I've never thought that Borough were particularly out of order. I, I thought they were, like you said, naive at, at worst. But um, yeah, and I guess it's not just. But was it three points they lost? Three points, yeah. And obviously, had they played the game and lost 6 0, they'd have stayed up on goal difference, I think. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Ultimately, yeah I think it's. Yeah.
1: I think 7-0 um, yeah. they would have stayed up on goal scored. And I think that's why it became so controversial, is that because we got relegated by two points, um, This that's why it became such a such a big deal.
0: Um, the League Cup run of the first of the two finals, it's interesting, actually. I I, I remember, the, obviously, the Leicester final and that they beat Stockport in the semis. And I'd completely forgotten that they beat both Newcastle and Liverpool, uh, who were both mm. title challengers on the way. Um and what's interesting about that, particularly the Newcastle game, is that that came when the league form was all over the show. Um, so those must have been two pretty special occasions, I guess.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. We beat Newcastle in the last sixteen, and we beat Liverpool in the quarterfinals. Um, uh on both games, when we played Newcastle, they were the top of the league. They just—I think it was just—they just, just beat him United five nil, mm. and uh, and Liverpool were top in the when we played them in the quarterfinal. And of course, they beat me yeah.
0: five one a month earlier. Or...
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I quite so interesting um, because that Newcastle game, we were was in the league without a win, and that Newcastle game came in the middle of it. Mm. And Emerson had been out for – he disappeared for three games, and then he turned up the day of the Newcastle game, played, played brilliantly, <laughs> and, then, and then he just disappeared again for another month. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so it was a really bizarre game. And that, and, and that was that Newcastle game where juninho really kind of, like, took over and that's another thing is that he got injured uh, the next game away at Villa and he ended up taking a month off. But he, he had he an had a, absolutely a, amazing performance against uh, Newcastle uh, when we went 3-1. Well.
0: And it's, it's probably worth stressing that in those days, pretty much every team, with maybe one or two exceptions, put out the strongest 11, didn't they, in the uh, League Cup? So it's not like you beat Newcastle reserves or anything. No, yeah, no. I think
1: Shearer was playing. Um, yeah, I think they had a full strength team. I think Espria was playing as well. Uh, Liverpool. Yeah, Fowler. I mean, they were they were all playing. And I, I've actually the other amazing thing looking back, had this injury crisis, but Robson never ever thought about playing a you know resting players for a cup cup yeah for a cup match. Um, when we when we played Hereford in the in the third in the second. Um, we we won seven nil. Rabinelli scored four. Emerson scored. Juninho played.
0: It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, diff- different times. Um, and then the final. Um, you were obviously how many minutes were you away from winning it at the first game? Uh, so we we scored half of extra
1: time. I think mm. minutes. So we uh, we had twenty minutes where we were we were leading, and then Heskey bundled in the the last minute goal.
0: And I think I think yeah. you said that kind of window between Ravenelli and Heskey is that your favourite memory of the season?
1: Yeah, I think yeah because Middlesbrough had never been to a major cup final before. Um, and I think and we just had that brilliant march where Robson and Robson was player play, uh, manager of the month, Ginio was player of the month, so we were in great form and we just hammered Leicester at Philbert. where Genio had you know yeah. again maybe his best ever performance, he absolutely top of that. Uh, so we went in with a lot of confidence and it was just, it was just a great day and um, and that Leicester game ended up, the, the game in the league ended up being almost the reason why we didn't win. Martin O'Neill realised that the only way to stop Middlesbrough was to stop Juninho. Mm. So he put he uh, instructed Pontus Karmark, the Swedish defender, to man-mark him mm. and he just had a brilliant game. He just absolutely shadowed Juninho all over the pitch and Juninho just didn't, didn't have a sniff all game. And then in extra time, Juninho... Uh, finally broke away he had one moment when he burst into the box and the ball came loose to Ravanelli, who smashed it into the goal I just remember that the the atmosphere of those 20 minutes when we were winning and it felt like we were going to win the cup was just like unlike anything uh, I'd ever experienced
0: and um the replay where was the replay wasn't at Wembley was it
1: no it was at Hillsborough
0: Uh, okay and um yeah and obviously Leicester won one nil um yeah. how I don't remember much about that game was it was it the same with Janino? was he marked by a call mark
1: he was yeah and it, and it went to extra time again it was 0-0 nil, nil in, in normal time and it went to extra time um and it was just a, it was just a different um I talked to Andy Campbell who was a he was in the in the squad mm. when I talked to him for the book he said that it felt like um it, it didn't have the same feel it just felt like another match because we were deep in the relegation battle at that point. Yeah, the, we had a we yeah, had a match against Sunderland on the weekend. This was on a Wednesday night. Yes, and whereas Leicester, you know, their season was over. Basically, they they were they were get, they were going to stay up. They were way mm. off relegation zone. So this was their last game. The weekend before, we had they played Arsenal in the league and they rested like eight players. Mm. Whereas we had an FA Cup semi final against Chesterfield.
0: Oh yeah, of course.
1: So in terms of preparation, you know, it was things, the games were coming so quick and fast and every game meant so much. And we had this re-sandwich in the middle of these two massive games. And it was just, it was just a different feel. And then Leicester scored the goal in extra time. And it was just, it was, it was demoralizing. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig ignett actually, he had signed up to come speak at my school. And it was, he must have, I, I, I talked and he said, um, he must have signed up for it a few months earlier because it ended up being the day after that final. Yeah, remember? I can remember him just looking so depressed. A oh, like bunch, bunch of school kids were
0: asking questions, and he was just like, "This had the worst defeat of his career." God. Um, was there anything they could have done differently? I'm thinking, particularly in the first game. They, they, I think you mentioned this before. They didn't use any substitutes today.
1: No. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think um, that's probably comes into the naivety of Robson as well I think if, th- if things were going well he just didn't make a change mm. and it's similar to um, the to United Six mm. against Germany where is that right? They yeah that's right that they,
0: they made they made subs in the quarters against Spain but not against Germany which has always fascinated me as far as I'm aware no one's ever asked Venables but I, I, I don't know I wonder if Robson picked something up from, I don't know picked something up yeah. unconsciously from that Because I know that
1: Clayton Blackmore was on the bench and with his experience and his... I think he would have been able to kind of slow the game down a bit because Mills were such a frantic team to close the game out. Yeah. So uh, they they were winning. They were one up against Leicester, but they were still pouring forward to try and get that second. And that ultimately is what gave the opening to Leicester to equalise.
0: And the FA Cup run, I guess... uh, We'll talk about Chesterfield, which everyone remembers. What would be the other highlights of that run to the final?
1: Um, we we went block. to go, uh, go the quarterfinal.
0: Sorry.
1: Yeah, so we, we 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 had a couple lower league oppositions. So we we hammered Chesterfield, Chester. sorry, Chester six nil. Um, and then because Middlesbrough, before this, they had been to the quarterfinal eight times and never ever got past the, the quarterfinal stage. Yeah. So we went to Derby. We went to Baseball Ground against Derby in the, for the quarterfinal, and. Um, Giannino and Ravinelli both scored two great goals. So that was a really great uh, experience. Uh, when I talked to Ben Roberts, uh, he mentioned that the atmosphere uh, in the dressing room after that game was, was unreal.
0: So Derby Dar- were a good side, weren't they? I know you thrashed them 6-1, but they, they weren't a bad side. They won at United that season. I think they drew at Arsenal. That's some really good players. Yeah. They had a good year. Uh, and Jim Smith. Mm.
1: Um uh, they probably had Steve McLaren as their assistant. I
0: think. I think they point. did. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I hadn't thought about that. I think yeah. they did. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Chesterfield—that's one of the crazier FA Cup semi-finals. What? What do you remember about it? it's only thing that stood out when you look back on the game.
1: Uh, yeah, I was—I was at that game, and it was definitely—it's definitely the best football match I've ever been to. Mm. Um, and I think the, that that season, that were season, is. Is encapsulated into one match almost. There were so many highs <laughs> yeah. and there were so many downs as well. I mean, we we got down to ten men in the, th- and we hammered chest... I don't. I kind of forgot about this, but we did really. We hammered Chesterfield in the first half. We had mm. so many shots, so many chances, but they held on to, to nil nil. Sean Dyech was in the, d- mm. and then they came out in the thir- in the second half, scored two, and then and then our comeback. I, I I I kind of forgot, but everything happened within a kind of ten minute space. Mm. Uh, Chesterfield took two goals, and then almost within ten minutes we were we were level again, mm. and it was it was a real end-to-end game. Um, it was it was it was just a crazy game. Mm.
0: Yeah, it was, and I and I guess with those kind of games, often you find this, this, the replay is a comfortable win for the superior team, which is mm-hmm. which is what happened. Yeah. And, it, and it, that
1: was at Hillsborough again. So that was after that we lost. So that, that, that was a really good game. Did Emerson um, score
0: a really good goal in that game?
1: Yeah. So we went three 0 He scored like a twenty yard kind of volley yeah. uh, to kind of close the game out. So that, that was I, I remember that being a real feel good, feel good night.
0: You could almost um, you could almost tell the story of the season in three. It's it's really interesting. They had three really high profile three all draws: Liverpool on the opening day, Chesterfield, and then away to Man United, who are about to become champions. Mm-hmm. Right, at the kind of business end in the relegation battle, and and actually, Borough were three one up at half time, weren't they? And I, the reason I remember that is that um, earlier this year, when City, Man City, were three 0 up at United in the League Cup at half time, it was the first time any side had scored three at Old Trafford since ninety seven, and immediately oh, I yeah. remembered it was Barrow had done that. So that was yet another crazy game.
1: Yeah, well, actually, we were we were three two up at
0: half time. Oh, of course, Gary Neville scored, didn't he? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I mean,
1: that's, uh, that's when it kind of shifted. <laughs> I think if we'd stayed on, I think it was Gary Neville's first goal of his yeah, uh, think career it was. as well. So it's just like, that's just like typical of Middlesbrough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that yeah, it was a crazy game because we started brilliant. Janino scored probably my favourite ever Middlesbrough goal, but a really mm. good team goal. And then Robinelli went off. And then Chris Freestone, who uh, barely, barely kicked the ball, he came on and uh, absolutely bossed my United defence and set up two goals mm. for us to go 3-1 up. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's one of those games where you look back and think, God, if we had stayed on, yeah, you know, we would have stayed up. But um, yeah, it was a crazy game.
0: Because actually, Borough's form in the league from, from I guess, from that Derby 6-1 at the start of March was really good, wasn't it? I guess they just had too much ground to make up.
1: Yeah. So we had And the other problem was that we had that great run in in March and then we... Finished off okay, but in the middle of that, we played West Ham, Forest, and Sunderland, who were all kind of our rivals in relegation. Yeah, and we uh, we of them and then lost to Sunderland. And if, if we'd won just
0: one of them, which we should have won at least one of them, um, it would have been different. What but, happened? What happened with the Sunderland game? Because that looks like the one that really was costly. It was was that a hangover from the League Cup defeat a few days earlier? Because Sunderland, yeah. were te- Sunderland weren't a great side, but they obviously got relegated as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. it was. That was that was absolutely a miserable game. And Janino was injured. Well he wasn't injured. I think he was he basically had just kind of ran out of steam. So he he didn't start the game. He came on um in the second half. Um and it was just one of those games where Beck hit the post and we just it just, it just didn't seem right from the start. Chris Waddle had just signed for Sunderland and fans were winding him up, and he was kind of winding <laughs> them up, and it had a really, had a really like kind of nasty atmosphere to the whole game. Mm. And then, basically, yeah, they, they got the goal from a corner. Um, we were so bad at defending
0: corners all season, and and that's what did us in. And it came down to the last day of the season, leads away, and I think is it right to say that if you won, you would definitely stay up, and if you drew, you pretty much couldn't, or was it dependent on other results as well?
1: Uh, we needed Sunderland to lose, which uh, okay. we did, which they did. Yeah, they lost. They lost to Wimbledon. Um, yeah, so if we if, if they'd lost, we, when we won, we would have stayed up. And Co- Co- Coventry, they beat Spurs, and they needed yes. us both. They needed both teams not to win. Um, yeah, and, and that was that was torturous because George Graham was Leeds manager, and that 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 was uh, that Leeds side was almost like a parody of a George. Graham. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it was it was. A, this is awful. I think, I think they had nine nil nil draws. Do you know? I, rem-
0: I remember one of those, Blackburn at home. I think it was around April and it was a Monday night and it was just the most appalling game. <laughs> yeah. It was honestly, I I think it might be the worst football game I've ever seen. So, yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean.
1: Yeah, I, it was like a boiling hot day as well. Um, and it was, yeah, I, I think Leeds hadn't scored at home since early March and Brian Dean scored with like 20 minutes to go and. It was almost like they would forgotten how to celebrate a goal. Mm. And we, Mills were just Rabinelli, was he was he was injured. Emerson went off injured. Uh, like players were just kind of like falling, breaking apart. Janedio mm. um, scored towards the end, and he had a great chance. He he scored to make it one-one with ten minutes to go, and then Leeds kicked off, and he immediately got the ball back, uh, sprinted forward, he threaded f- it through to Um and like, Chris Freestone was free. And- seen him, he would have put him through on goal, but Beck didn't see him and ended up losing the ball. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was absolutely, that was miserable.
0: Yeah, I feel like that is probably the defining image, certainly as a neutral of the season is Janini on the pitch in tears at the end. Because he, because he,
1: he, I guess he, he'd always kind of been honest, because I think yeah. Mario
0: Zagallo, the Brazil manager, he said that he's not
1: going to pick anyone who wasn't playing in a top um, so Genio was pretty open. You know, if we get relegated, I'm going to have to move on. Mm. Uh, and it's clear that he didn't want to do that. Like he kind of fallen in love with the with the town and the team. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was it was pretty heartbreaking to to see.
0: And looking looking back, um, was the FA Cup final even before Di Matteo scored after whatever it was 20 seconds? Was that kind of a bridge too far, given all the psychological blows of losing the final and then relegation? Was it always going to go one way?
1: I, I, that's how I can kind of remember it, and um, and then talking to the way the players describe it now, uh, it was just it was just a really, really surreal day. And I think, I think the squad after the three point deduction and then with the two cup runs, it, the team had kind of rallied, mm. um, and then you know it, it kind of sparked this like good form towards the end of the season, but then. Once it once it kind of like once it kind of became for nothing when they did get relegated. I think the players were just kind of sick of each other. You know, they'd, they'd just been relegated. They had a whole other week of training and another. Year. And Robinelli Rab- and Neil Cox it like had that bust up before yeah. the game. Uh, and I think, yeah, I, I looking back, I think the players were just yeah. It was just one game too many, and it was after you had that terrible start. Yeah, you, know, you, you know, you never know. Like maybe. If we hadn't conceded in the first minute, it might have been different. But after that, after Di Matteo scored, it was it was almost over.
0: Mm. Then it's interesting, isn't it? It's Certainly, a mon football. Maybe even back then, most um, most chairmen and probably most managers would rather finish seventeenth than finish eighteenth and get two cup finals. Yet, Borough's legacy is so much greater. It's quite interesting, really. No one's writing a book about a team that finished seventeenth in you know Coventry in ninety six ninety seven.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. I, I I I mean, if you talk to fans about it, like, would you rather have the cup run or would you and, and get relegated, you know what I mean? It's it's kind of it's like, it's like, it's interesting. I think as a fan, it's, I think it's really sad the way that we don't really care about cup competitions anymore.
0: Yeah, me too. It's it's really it, I don't know how you change it, but um but yeah, I agree. But the, there is glory in it. I know obviously it ended pretty miserably and but you Football supporting in particular is about experience, isn't it? You think about all the the rich experiences the borough fan handouts. So, he's good and bad, they're probably unmatched here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how how would it compare from your point of view to um, say to two thousand three four when you won the League Cup and two thousand five six when you had those two astonishing comebacks in Europe?
1: I think yeah, I, mean, I think that's why it's um, interesting because I was talking to Rob Nichols of the Fly Me to the Moon, mm. he, he, the fanzine for Middlesbrough. And he was kind of saying that after this season, because there, there was so much hope and optimism going into it, and that, and all, the, all, all that was just like dashed in such a devastating way, he, he kind of didn't trust himself to really enjoy the highs of those years. Yeah. So, um, so in, in a way, this, this season, winning that cup was great, and it was the first trophy that we ever won, and that European Cup run was obviously was crazy. But in a way, this night six season, night six night seven season, has left a more kind of indelible uh because of the because of a journey mm. and that's kind of what I was trying to trying to write I was trying to kind of write a tribute to the to the journey of it all um and you know just to you know even, even make some naivety I think it a period where the club can't be kind of proud of what they what they did
0: mm. yeah absolutely I think I think any casual football fan will remember that Borough team um mm-hmm. and you're right just looking even just look at the board details of the season. There are so many dramatic games and ups and downs and um, crazy things like the Blackburn thing and obviously Ravenelli and Emerson walking out when they did. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a hell of a story. Um, yeah. What's your kind of... Um, how do you feel about it now? You, you said that you felt almost like a lot of people felt like they couldn't touch those memories. Do you feel happy about doing the book? Do you feel like it's, I don't know, um, you're able to enjoy the experience of it more again now or is it still quite painful to think about how the season ended
1: uh there there's still like pangs of disappointment uh when i when i think about certain moments but as a whole you know with kind of 25 years to, to look back i i do i do i do enjoy looking back at the season mm. um and i'd like to say in terms of moments there were so many great moments and And this just so many goals. I mean, we scored 94 times that season. That's a hell of Uh, a lot for
0: a relegated team. I know it's in all competitions, but that's a hell hell of a lot.
1: And uh, you know, I think there were nine times we scored at three three or more in the league. And, you know, we we just don't really get that anymore. Um, So I think that, that, and talking to the people who've read the book, I think that most people seem to they at the time because it was such an extraordinary time. And it's just it's just hard to kind of like describe what it was like to be to be uh, to be a Middlesbrough fan and go the kind of like the headline the lines. Mills were really used to kind of being the team that no one really kind of the team that kind of people kind of forget about. Yeah. Uh, but we were we were really at the forefront of the of the league for a for a year there, and it was uh, that's why it was such a memorable time.
0: Mm. Yeah, well, it's a cracking book. I enjoyed it massively. Um, thanks thank very you. much for coming on. Yeah, thank you.